So when I was about nine years old, my parents came to me and my two older brothers and they said, this year for Christmas, we thought instead of giving you guys what we normally give you, we're just going to get you a little gift and we're going to take the money that we don't spend to put somewhere else. As a nine-year-old, this was bad news. I said, we're going to take this money and we're going to use it to build a church somewhere in India. And nine-year-old Will doesn't understand this. Nine-year-old Will is pretty upset. Fast forward about 13 years. I'm a sophomore at Mid-America Christian University. And a guy that was the state pastor at the time, John Bodecker, comes to me and says, Will, I want you to go to India. And I said, no, thank you. God had to do a, a little bit of work on my heart, but he did get me to India. And then thankfully, I got to go with my dad. It was just a, an incredible thing to experience. And uh, we're, we're going in, in India, and we're somewhere really, really north. And we get to this place that's on the border of a country called Bhutan. In Bhutan, you're not allowed to be a Christian. It's against the law. So people from Bhutan will leave in the middle of the night and they will start their journey walking to this church in India that's right on the border. And so we've, we've heard, we've been there as missionaries, we've prayed for the pastors, we've prayed for this church, and I just felt like I needed to be alone. And so I went off and I, I walk into this church and I'm by myself in this church and it's kind of a nice way to say it because it's really just a shack. And I'm standing in this church and I start to cry. This is, uh, this is not a will thing to do. I don't walk into buildings and just start randomly crying. You can probably ask my wife. She could probably tell you the amount of times she's even seen me cry. And I'm crying and all of a sudden, my dad comes up behind me and lays his hand on my back. And he says, son, this is the church we built with your money when you were nine years old. I got to be honest. <laughs> I can tell you that I probably don't remember anything I got for Christmas that year. But I can tell you one thing, I will never forget the joy in my heart in that moment as I stood in that church. My parents made something so tangible to me that Jesus had already spoken in his scripture. Acts 20, 35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, this morning we're continuing a series in which we've called Upside Down because that's what this is. It's a little backward. It doesn't really make common sense to us that I would give something away and that I would receive for that. But Scripture tells us again in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. 
For the measure in which you use, it will be measured back to you. So scripture is trying to tell us here that, that giving's about joy. Not just the joy that you bring to somebody else, but the joy that you receive in return. Also that giving goes full circle. That when you give, you shall get. And that giving ought to be an important part of our lives. But we got to ask the question, what is giving? Or maybe an even better question, what do you have to give? This morning, if you are planning on following along in our outline, you can go to the bottom. We're going to start there and then we'll go back up. But I think that we tend to pigeonhole giving as something that is monetary. But regardless of how blessed your bank account is, I believe that everyone has something to give. And I want to run through a few of those things and give you an idea that you, yes, you have something to give. The first thing is that I believe that you have time. You can give your time. And I think that this is not just spending time with people, maybe even doing something for somebody, but you never understand the impact you can make for being 100% present with someone. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone that looks at their phone every five seconds? What did that communicate to you? That they're not really there. I think what I've been learning is that I've got to get better at that because I've got to learn that the world can wait. And I don't want to miss out what's right in front of me. You can give somebody your time and you'll never understand the impact and how that makes people feel special. You also can give your resources. You know, if you have money to give, that's awesome. Give where and when you can and be good stewards of what God has blessed you with. But I assume that maybe there's some of you here today that feel like you're in the category with me that sometimes I just don't feel like I have money to give. And sometimes I do, and I give when I can. But I believe that we have access to other things that we can give. For example, my dad pastored in Baraboo, Wisconsin, and I don't even know where that is. It was born, I mean, it was, he did that way before I was born, so I'm not that concerned about it. But my dad would tell me stories about Baraboo, Wisconsin all the time. He said, we never got paid much at all, but we never lacked for food. Because I guess in Wisconsin, man, they got cheese, they got beef, and they got milk, Okay. He said, so the people in the church would always give us food. They didn't have money, but they did have something to give. And I believe the same is true of you. The other thing, and probably the most important thing, is we can give our love. After Steve sang a song last week, I promised myself that I wouldn't sing today. But I'm going to read some lyrics that maybe you're familiar with. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Because it's the only thing that there's just too little. Oh, there you go. I think you guys know that one. But maybe we need to read 1 Corinthians 13 to remind ourselves of what love looks like. That we might be able to give our patience, to give kindness, to give grace, to choose to treat people better than maybe they deserve to be Treated to love first. Real love is respect in the face of disunity, empathy in the face of 
misunderstanding. And maybe what you have to share is your testimony, your story, what God has done in your life. See, because if we claim to be believers of Jesus Christ, that means that we have a hope in us that this world doesn't have, and we have opportunities daily to share that hope with the people around us. Or maybe you could give your forgiveness. And I don't think that this is just a gift that that you can give to others, but I think you'll find that it's the greatest gift you can give to yourself when you choose to let go, let go of the bitter roots and let them die. I have to say that probably the greatest gift that Jesus Christ gave us was forgiveness. And I think that you'll find that you are not more like Jesus than when you choose to forgive. I also think that we can give our knowledge. Pastor Steve, a couple of weeks ago, preached an incredible sermon on preparing the next generation for faith and leadership. It's one of our focal points as a church. I encourage you if, you, if you didn't listen to that one, there's CDs, you can find it online. But it's this idea of passing on our faith, mentoring someone, accepting the call of the Great Commission to disciple the people around us. I'm so thankful for Tara Gilliland and, and her passion. And she came to me and she said, man, I want, I want to start a college class on Wednesday nights. And I said, I don't know if that's a good idea. But listen, what you find out is when somebody's motivated to do something, you let them run with it. And I'm so glad that we did because the first night we had 20 kids. It's incredible. All because she wanted to pass on what she knows and what God has done in her life. What would it look like if we showed the next generation maybe a skill or or maybe just teaching them how to be men and women of integrity? Showing them what God has showed you along the way. And for those of us that are maybe younger, maybe instead of giving knowledge, we need to give our attention to the people who have come before us. They might just know something that would help us. I wanted to give you an idea of of maybe some things that you have to give. And I know that if we stood here and talked about it, we can find so many more things that we have to give. But I want to switch our focus just for a little bit. We're going to go back up to the top of the outline. And I want to talk about where, where does giving come from? What is giving all about? Giving is all about trusting God over myself. All about trusting God over yourself. Came across this crazy story online. We have a picture. This is Alvina. And I'm probably saying that name wrong. It's fine. She doesn't know. She's from Singapore. And her and a buddy decided to go rock climbing. And she's climbing. And if you can kind of see in the picture, there's somebody down on the bottom. That person is called the belayer. They're the person that is supposed to hold the rope tight so that if any type of fall happens, that you don't plummet to serious injury or death. They're supposed to be your safety line. The problem is that when Alvina was climbing, she hit this part of the rock face that came apart and fell. We have a picture of the rock that fell. Don't worry, it was just 300-pound rock. And don't worry, it just happened to hit her belayer on the head. Luckily, she was wearing a helmet, 
but it still knocked her unconscious. So let's just roll through this really quick. This is not a good scenario. You're falling off the face of a mountain, and the person that is supposed to be keeping you safe is now unconscious. This blows me away. I'm not sure how it happened or what happened, but by some miracle, this girl who was belaying that is unconscious never let go of the line and saved Alvina's life. And I think that's what life is like sometimes. Sometimes, have you ever been there where you're thinking, God, where are you? Sometimes it feels like God's down there, but is he unconscious? What's, what's he doing? But just like this belayer did, God will do for us. Even when it doesn't seem like he's there, he always holds the line. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Scripture. And I love the disposition that they had. An example of what it looks like to trust God. And I want to read to you in Scripture what they say in Daniel. This is what they say after about to be thrown into a furnace for refusing to disown God. This is what they say. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will never serve your gods. I want to read that one more time. But if not, be it known to you that we will never serve your gods and will never serve this golden image that you have set up. They had faith. They believed that God was able to save them, but even more so, they had this disposition of even if God doesn't, I trust him because I know my God and my Savior has a plan for me. Do you believe that? Does your life show evidence of a faith like that? Faith like a widow who's willing to put all of her pennies, everything that she had into the offering, trusting that God would provide for her what her pennies never could. Recognizing that money was not worth something to cling to, but an act of bold faith to proclaim what she really believed, that she trusted God more than she trusted ourselves. I put this in your outline. This thought comes from Dave Ramsey. He says that if you hold tightly to what you have, your hands will not be open and able to receive. This idea that if we cling to what we have, if we cling to what we can acquire here on earth, or we can choose to let go and cling to what God can provide for us. Do you trust God more than you trust yourself? See, because my God, the God who feeds the birds, the God who clothes the fields, I know that that God loves me more than that. My God has promised to never leave me or forsake me. And my God will always hold the line, even when it seems like he's unconscious. Let me give you another one. Giving flows from contentment and gratitude. I want to read to you from 1 Timothy. It says, you see, we came into this world with nothing and nothing is going with us on the way out. So as long as we are clothed and fed, we should be content. 
But those who chase riches are constantly falling into temptation and snares. Those of you that know me will, will understand this. Those of you that don't, I, I love to go on walks in the morning. Mainly because my mind's not working yet and I got to do something to get it to start working. I love going on walks and usually what I do is I take my camera with me on walks and, and I always hope to take pictures of birds. Birds that I haven't seen before, birds that I think are pretty, and I'm always hoping to see a hawk. So this last Wednesday, I'm, I'm going on a walk and I'm having a really good day. I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm seeing birds I've never seen before. I'm getting great pictures. This hawk lands right above me. I, I'm just having this great day and I'm so excited. And I start to walk home and I look down at the camera and realize that it doesn't have an SD card in it. And what that means is, is that none of those pictures were saved. Never in my entire life had I wanted to throw a $1,000 camera as far as I could. I was so angry. And as soon as I figured that out, I got home as fast as I could. But I wasn't content with how my day had gone. So I grabbed the SD card. I put it in there. And I went back out. You know what I saw? A turtle. <laughs> so I, I spend... Wednesdays, I try to come in at noon because we have church on Wednesday nights and I don't want to be here forever. I love my job, not that much. And so I try to take the morning to go on a nice walk and to spend a little time with my family. But what I didn't do that day is I didn't spend time with my family because I wasn't content with the way my first walk went. And I love this scripture because this scripture gives us the idea that if we're not content then we're going to find ourselves chasing. What are you chasing? And the problem with chasing is that if we're chasing, we're not giving. Because greed fuels discontent, and discontent creates this world where we're the only one that matters. So what is it that you find yourself chasing? I want to keep reading that, that scripture in Timothy. They are regularly caught by their own stupid and harmful desires, dragged down and pulled under into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. In fact, some have already wandered away from the true faith because they crave what it had to offer. But when reaching for the prize, they found their hearts pierced with many sorrows. The Bible tells us here, even if you catch what you're chasing, it's never going to bring you lasting fulfillment. In fact, it's only ever going to bring you sorrow. This idea, again, that it is better to give than to chase. What would our lives look like if we found contentment simply in having enough food and clothes to wear? If we were grateful for what we have. If we took the time to realize just how blessed we were, you know what I would have realized? That it would have been better for me to spend the morning reading books with my daughter and that that is so much better than any picture I ever could have gotten. We've got to see just how blessed we are because when we see that, we find contentment and gratitude. And it gives us an attitude that motivates us to be people that give. 
2 Corinthians 9.11 says this, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. This understanding from Scripture that we're not just blessed to be blessed, but we are blessed to be a blessing. I, I made the announcement and we talked about it, unless you've been living under a rock or if you're new and that's okay. Uh, Pastor Steve got his book in today and, and he's releasing that for, for sale. But luckily, I feel like I'm super special because Pastor Steve gave me a signed copy that I didn't have to pay for as a gift to me because he loves me. And can I just tell you, this is crazy, y'all. So I'm preparing this sermon this week, right, about giving. I open his book to read the first day. You want to take a wild guess what the first day was entitled? Blessed to be a blessing. Are you kidding me? Did you plan this? But I want to, I want to read just a, a small quote from that day. It says, what if God's view of the world doesn't stop with me? What if God is actually concerned about them? Sometimes you have to decide you're going to follow God, not just because you'll be blessed, but because you get to do something so much more sacred. You get to be a part of the blessing. Don't forget this. If you give Steve $10, he will give you a book. Let me give you one more thought. <laughs> Giving must always come from the heart. My dad, now Stephanie's going to look at me weird and argue with me, but I think my dad's one of the hardest people to buy gifts for, and Steph's going to argue that I am, sorry. But I don't have to buy gifts for myself, so. But my dad hates and I'm, I, I'm not using that word strong. He despises receiving gift cards because he thinks that you put no thought into it. And I just want to stop for a second and say, I don't hate getting gift cards. Okay, just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. But he feels like when you get him a gift card, like as a Christmas present, that you put no thought into it. He would rather you get him a piece of junk that was thoughtful than to get a gift card. So one year, I've... I'm trying to be thoughtful, and my dad loves to make pancakes, right? So I find this thing online that, like, it's you hold it, and you put your batter in it, and you, like, press a button, and it shoots out, like, the perfect size pancake, right? I'm probably sure he only used it once. But it didn't matter. It meant a lot to him because I thought about him. See, good giving comes from the heart because you, it, it says, I know you. It says, I like you, and it says that I was thinking of you. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, giving grows out of the heart. Because otherwise you've reluctantly grumbled yes because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't what God wants for us. For we know that God loves a cheerful giver. You guys understand this? You don't show up to a birthday party with a present and you walk in and you're like, well, 
I didn't really want to buy you anything, but I felt I had to, so here you go. You know what? Just keep it. We don't do that because it's rude. We understand this idea that when you give a gift from the heart, it's not just about bringing them joy, but it's about the joy that you receive as well. I don't know that I can put words to it, but I'm assuming that, that if you've been alive long enough, you understand this. There is something really, really special about bringing someone else joy. And when you give from the heart, what you're doing is you're taking yourself out of the equation. See, real giving is not about being a saint or being the hero. It's not about what you might get in return. But it's about letting God use you and what you have to give for his glory and his kingdom. Giving is not about you. It's not about what you can do. But rather what God can do through you for other people. I think Matthew 6, 3 through 4, I'm going to read this to you. I think this is a really great thing for us. It gives us a really good idea of what we can do. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. But it's this idea that giving is, is about our heart. It's not about being recognized. It's not about what people see or what they think. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from giving. And I, we, we understand there's times that we give from a pure heart. But let's, can we be honest for a second? There's times that we give with the wrong motives. At least, I know I've been there a couple times. But this is what I think the scripture tells us. If you're unsure of your motives, then learn to give anonymously. Learn to give to the audience of one. So most of you know, I have a daughter. Her name is Maylin, and she's four years old. And most of you have discovered that she's smarter than I am, which is fine. I'm learning to live with it every day. One of the things our daughter does that drives us crazy is that she takes 45 minutes to eat a meal. And it's not like it's a, I mean, we're talking chicken nuggets here. Okay, it shouldn't take that long. It shouldn't. Well, the one good thing about her taking a long time to eat is sometimes it, it leaves opportunity for us to have good conversation. She's not eating, so she's talking. And the other day, she asked me a question that really caught me off guard. I'm like, who are you? She asked me, she goes, Dad, when you were growing up, what was your favorite thing to do during the holidays? What? You're four. Blows my mind sometimes. But and I was thinking about that, and I was like, man, what, what is my favorite thing? Now, growing up, I, I grew up in Tampa. My dad was a pastor there. And, and every year during the holidays, we'd go to downtown Tampa to this place called Metro Ministries, and we'd serve there as a family. And as I thought about it, those are, those are some of my fondest memories of serving at that place. I remember one year, me and my brother ended up doing turkey runs. So we got stuck in a turkey freezer and we spent most of the time throwing frozen turkeys at each other. Um, which, disclaimer, frozen turkeys hurt when you get hit with one. Uh, but there's, there's one part of the thing where people come that are in need and they get meals and they get toys for their kids and, and you get this, to put all this stuff in a wheelbarrow. 
and you get to wheelbarrow it out to their car and you put it in your car and you can say, God bless you. And it's just a really fun thing to see just how happy some people are to, to just make a difference for their holiday season. But I got to say, I did that probably six or seven years. And there were times where I was the wheelbarrow man and I was met with some people that were very ungrateful. In fact, some people were just kind of mean. It was almost like they had this attitude like, well, I'm thankful, but this isn't even what I wanted. Like, really? And this is what I want to communicate to us. God didn't call us to give to the right people. He called us to give from the heart. I'm going to ask Rachel if, if she would come and also if our prayer partners would come as well. And I'm just going to ask that you would just respond today with wherever God is leading you. Maybe you need somebody to pray with and it has nothing to do with what I said today. And that's okay. That's what our prayer partners are here for. If you feel like you can't get out from where you are or it's hard for you to walk, just raise your hand and, and they will come to you. But as Rachel sings, I, I want you to think about that. You've got to understand no matter where you are, each and every single one of you here, you have something to give. And that's what God is calling us to be, people who give. In fact, he says, if you trust me to give what you have, I'm going to take care of you. And I promised you'll be blessed more than you could ever imagine. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to, you need to give them some of your quality time. Maybe you have some resources that are sitting around that you need to bless somebody with. Maybe there's somebody in your life that doesn't deserve your love, but they need it. And you could choose to give them your love. Maybe there's somebody that they need your forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody that can really use information that you have. Maybe you've walked through something in life that somebody else is just starting now to walk through. And you could give your story. You could give your heart. You could give your guidance. And it could make the world a difference. But as she sings, and as we say, I surrender all, think about what it is you have that you can surrender today. Father God, thank you for today. What a blessing it is to get to gather together in a church with a bunch of people from different lives, different walks, and all be able to sing praises to one God and to be able to do that freely. Lord, but I ask that we wouldn't just sit in that blessing. Father God, I ask that you would challenge us. I ask that you would help us to see opportunities, Lord, of how we can become the blessing for others. Lord, you've given us a mission. And that is to take the love that you've given us and to reciprocate that same love to the people around us. And that's not always easy. Father God, I just ask and pray for the strength that as we leave this place, 
that we would go in your spirit, in your name, and by your power to make a difference in our communities. We love you. We praise you in your holy name. Amen.